I think after Don jumps on, I'm going to get off because I can't do all this. All of you are useless. Oh, you'll get off all right. <laughs> you, you oh, you're sounding pixelated. My brother in Werebunus, you're we're doing a fucking German vehicle. Yeah, yeah. Of all the episodes I can't do is. <laughs> yeah, well, said German vehicle ain't gonna make me well, is it? Can't hear you over all that COVID you got. Jack, tell the ladies to quiet down. Okay, quiet down. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, there's just still this weird echo going on. Am I doing something wrong here? Oh, uh, hang on. Uh, you want to hit deafen as well, as well as mute, because yeah, otherwise you you're going to get some major feedback. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Hey Don. I love you are useless. Says the man who's like, oh fuck. Says the man on. who's not deafened. <laughs> Don's the type of fellow to just sit in the VC wondering where everyone is. <laughs> okay, how do I also deafen instead of just mute? Flicky, <laughs> uh, you want to hit the uh, seeing um, their headphones. They look like headphones. The headphones. Yeah, yeah. Hit, get the headphones. I got a microphone, and that's it at the bottom. It's turn on camera, start an activity, share your screen, unmute, and then emojis. Um, you could also try left clicking on your name in the call, and it should give you an option to deafen. Ah, okay, there we go. Who's the mighty Maggie? Oh no, 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 hold on, pausing that. Quote, <laughs> Woha Pogger. <sighs> Bro, salt teams just hit different. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, I, just... I went to two grocery stores. Not one of them had ever even heard of flipping toaster strudel. Are you serious? What fucking grocery store did you go Metro to? Metro and Sobeys. Of course you went to they're, Metro they're with, and Sobeys. They're with the waffles. No, they're with not. The yeah, they're in the frozen I section, man. with the waffles. I checked near the Pop-Tarts, and I checked near the waffles, and there was nothing. That's why you uh, hit up No Frills. Yeah. That's where it's at. Or just, just come to America. Around. Capitalistic dystopia. I, I was yeah, just don't go to America. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, well, Who's done? That note, you are listening to the Micro Machines podcast, whoop, whoop. and this week we're talking about the SDK of said 251 half track. But before we talk about that, shall we do some introductions? Oh, we need an order to do this. Oh, for fuck's sakes. You guys can all fight over the order. Fuck it. I'm going, I'm going first. Yeah. Fuck. I'm going first. <laughs> <laughs> so, we got, <laughs> so we got me, Callum, uh, from New Zealand, enjoying a tasty soda. Sugar-free, because uh, I'm a fat fuck. <laughs> What's Dennis the flavor? Oh, oh, okay. Uh, you got me, Dennis. I'm from Ontario, uh, sitting right next to Don and Jack right now, enjoying a nice black coffee. Pull your fly up. <laughs> uh, I'm Ezra in New Mexico, dying of an undisclosed disease. COVID. 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 <laughs> You're dying of COVID for the fourth time. And it was given to him by his boyfriend. <laughs> Which one? I remember My adding the word Harrison. pseudo into that. Oh, okay, sentence. Ezra. Okay. Okay. Ezra's the COVID femboy. Alright, well, yeah, I'm, I'm Garrison. Short skirt. Oh, oh Ezra. <laughs> Ezra, let him do his introduction. Oh, I'm go, Greg. I'm going to slap you with an 88. Anyways. <laughs> 
My name's Garrison. I'm in Kansas. Fuck the military. I'm drinking water. Slap me with your radiate. Uh, I'm Don. I'm from Ontario. I'm not sitting next to Dennis as much as you would like to. And I'm enjoying a lovely South River Brewing Co. Scottish Ale this evening. Oh, oh, oh baby. Mm. Oh. I'm uh, Jack, also in Ontario. I'm the third Ontarian. I've got some water. My man. Yeah. And uh, I think this this week we've actually uh, finally managed to get a guest on. We've been trying to get on for the last, what, three, four weeks? Uh, It's been a while. Why don't you introduce yourself? I am uh, Clint from uh, Floki's Models, a little YouTube channel. Check it out if you want to. And I am drinking a nice lemonade and iced tea. My man. Oh, I salute (laughs) that. that He practiced. He he looked Mm. in the mirror and he practiced that shit. (laughs) Damn, he did better than most of us. He did. Good oh, shit, wow. Clint. Thank you. God, I always call you Floki. What? Yeah. No. We, we may refer to you as either Clint or Floki or both at the same time, depending. That's fine. Cloaky. The schizophrenia <laughs> is rampant in here. <laughs> and I'm also still getting his third echo. I don't understand it. <laughs> is Clint in the room with me. you right now? Well, so we've had we've decided to have Clint on because he seems to be a wealth of knowledge on the uh, SDK of said two five one half track. So uh, why don't you tell us about it? Oh, great! Finally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna stumble all over this here. So hey, hey, hey just like you rehearsed, you got this. Uh, okay, uh, where's the disconnect? Imagine us with no pants on. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's getting a stiffy. Stop it. <laughs> All right. Speaking of getting a stiffy, okay. All right. Well, the I thought you're gonna go somewhere. Okay. No. No. Okay. So in the beginning. In the beginning. Uh, first, I want to point out is. Uh, Mostly, I think it's Tamiya. They always refer to the 251 as a Hanomag. Um, the Germans never refer to the 251 as Hanomag. There is no evidence of that. <laughs> um, in issue number 15, uh, the Schonsen Panzerwagen uh, from Panzer Tracks, they address this problem as follows. No evidence has been found in primary sources that these armored troop carriers are ever referred to by the name Hanomag, not even as a nickname by the troops. If the name Hanomag had been mentioned during the war to these troops, they would have thought that you were referring to the heavy trucks or buses for which this company was famous for. Well, to me, it fucks up a lot of shit, so... Wait, so, so, Clint, so if it's kind of like the uh, Hetzer, where it never was used in the field, where do you think that the whole Hanamag name came from? It's... Uh, to me, it being stupid. Yeah, to, uh, to yeah, me, no. and other yeah, to manufacturers me, yeah. around that time, putting the name to it. Because the Hanamag is more of the company that made it, not the... Well, one company. Sort of there was name. five yeah, one of companies that uh, made them during the war. It was Hanomag design, though. So that's like calling an F-35 a Lockheed Martin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, it it would be, I guess. Okay. All right, see, we got slide number one here. The SD-KFZ-11. It was designed in 1938 by Hanomag and was the prime mover for the 105mm howitzer and the 37mm Flak 43. 
9,000 units were built until 1945. This company was the natural choice to fill the next specification, which requested an armored vehicle capable of carrying a section of panzer grenaders, which is 10 troops, and their equipment in order to keep up with the panzer divisions. Each German mechanized infantry corp was to be equipped with a hundred of these. The protection given had to be sufficient against small arms fire and artillery shrapnel, and armament should comprise two MG-34s, later MG-42s for defense, and direct support. In German nomenclature, it was classed as a Schutzenpanzerwagen. Oh, look at that. Damn. That, that, was that the uh, 11? Yeah, this is uh, 11 right here. All right. Plus the cannon. That is the 105 millimeter, I believe. Looks about it, yeah. Okay. That is cool. Interesting. <laughs> Looks like something I'd draw as a kid in like fourth grade. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like something I'd draw now. <laughs> HIDF. Yeah, I was going to say, that looks horrible. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yes, that is a goofy-ass self-propelled gun, isn't it? <laughs> Well, tell us about it. All right. Yeah. Well, because the SDKFZ-251 was produced by the same manufacturer as the SDKFZ-11, the natural choice was to use this HLKL-5 chassis as a base on which a stronger framework supporting the armored panels was constructed. After a few sketches, the sloped armor that characterized the type was taken from the previous 7.5-centimeter L-40 prototype, which is this right here, made by Hanser Lloyd in 1937. So is this a rotating turret on it, or is that just a, a kind of a shield for the crew? I couldn't really find much information about this, other than you know there was uh, some prototypes made. Right. Uh, that sure looks like it. It sure spins. does look yeah, like it could it? rotate. Yes. Next slide. Yep. You need to tell him. You need. You just need to tell Dennis next. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not smart enough to know when to change. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Know your place. <laughs> it's not very intuitive. And this here is, uh, you know, of course, when we think of a half track or the 251, you know, we think of the superior German sloped armored engineering design here. Oh, yes. No, no, we yeah, don't. Yes, you really should. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a 251 in person at a museum near my house. That armor, I, if you punch it hard enough, it'll bend. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely over-engineered. Um, like, in... If you look at, say, the German... I'm just going to derail a little. Uh, if you look at the um, 251 versus, say, the Americans and their half-track, you, the Germans, um, they designed it so, you know, the uh, the tracks uh, spin, whereas the uh, the American ones is literally just... They don't have that ability. It's all... Um, it's basically they built, they extended a track, a uh, truck chassis, and attached a um, a track to it. That's basically what they did. Whereas the Germans made this highly detailed, over complicated, engineered thing that has independent movement and stuff like that. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Isn't the American uh, half track track? Isn't that just a rubber band? It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So if and you build, uh, so if Tamiya does one, and they have a rubber band track, it is technically accurate. I'll be <laughs> All right, uh, can we back up a slide? Oh, yeah, sure. All right. Uh, this was a risky choice in terms of efficient stowage and production ease, but the idea behind was straightforward. The slope meant that any bullet or shrapnel had to travel through more of the plate while keeping the weight low. The armor protected the entire length of the engine, radiator, driver, and the open top rear compartment. 
It was 14.5 millimeters thick with a 14 degree slope at the nose, 10 millimeters with 80 degree slope for the glacis, 8 millimeter thick with 35 degree slope for the side and rear panels, but only 6 millimeters for the flat bottom. The hull was entirely railed with prefabricated sections. The open top configuration allowed a greater rareness of the situation and allowed a better angle and arc of fire for the MGs. The body was the body was composed of two main sections, the front cowling and the rear open top passenger compartment. These two sections were made of steel plates welded and riveted to the base chassis. These were joined together by riveting, then reinforcements being located behind the driver's compartment. This provision associated with the in initial strength of the chassis of the vehicle provided exceptional rigidity. Alright, I think I stumbled through that enough. <laughs> Next, please. Alright, the engine was the same Maybach HL42 4.17 liter as that of the SD KFZ11. This was a gas-powered six-cylinder four-stroke water-cooled engine with magnetic ignition providing 100 horsepower at 2800 RPMs. It provided Still a 12.8 horsepower to ton power to rate ratio, given an average 32 miles per hour on the road or, or very flat terrain, and 13 miles per hour off-road. This was relatively fast for an armored half-track. Steering was done using the front axle with a turning radius of 11 meters. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that absorbent floor. Oh yeah, there's, you know, nothing in there must leak. <laughs> <laughs> it's just for aesthetic. All right, the tracks are ZGW 5001 slash 280 slash 140, or the ZPW 5001 slash 280 slash 141 type, were relatively large and produced excellent grip, especially with the W302 rubber tread pads. Each comprised 55, left, left, 55 links on the left and 56 links on the right. The SDKFZ251 was one of the first armored vehicles to be equipped with interlevered wheels. Uh, this slack track lowered the ground pressure, but they proved problematic on high, highly muddy terrain like the Russian Spring Thaw. The empty weight was 6.89 tons, 7 tons in battle order, and 8.5 tons or more when fully loaded. It had a payload capacity of 1.5 tons and a towing capacity of 2.7 tons, which meant the Pack 36 or a 20 millimeter anti-aircraft autocannon could be carried. Normally, crew was 12, including the driver and platoon commander. And correct me if I'm wrong, there was something with these tracks where they had to lubricate each individual link, like the pivot on it. Is that correct? Uh, yes, each uh, each individual link had a greaser on it. Oh God! <laughs> how long would that take? <laughs> oh, well, depends on what. How many was it again? 100 and. 111 tracks? 111. Isn't that just the most German shit you've ever heard? How fast will your boots work? <laughs> well, imagine it. It's like 1943, winter on the east front. Uh, the the interleaved row wheels are just full of mud at this point, which is like half mud, half ice. And then you have to be the poor sod who has to get out, wipe the mud and ice off of each uh, individual greaser, and then refill it. Well, not only that, I mean, you also had uh, a greaser on each one of the wheels, on uh, each one oh, of the... Your, uh, I can't think of the name now. No, your suspension arm. <laughs> so there, there's. Uh, it probably took you a while. Don, this just makes me more and more grateful for a Canadian tripod. <laughs> 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 All right. The production and evolution. The A and B. 
The A was the first to appear in mid-1939, and was first allocated to the Panzer Grenadiers attached to the 1st Panzer Division stationed at Rimmar. During the spring of 1939, the best equipped German unit at the outbreak of the Polish campaign, uh, production figure estimates for 1939 are only 232 units. The B appeared in 1940 and was similar in all aspects, but the relocated radio antenna from the step to the rear fighting compartment, and the removal of the rear vision sights for production ease. By the end of 1940, only 337 more would be delivered, and an estimated 500 took part in the French campaign. Alright, and the C variant. Seen in late 1941, <laughs> was also very similar. <laughs> but... Excuse me, what? Huh? You said the C, hang on. You said the C variant? Yeah. I'm sorry. I you... strong Z. I'm sorry, I thought you meant like the ocean sea. <laughs> Ignore me, I'm sorry. Oh, the marines. <laughs> not not everybody is amphibious there. <laughs> as they shouldn't be. Right, HIDF uh, amphibious SDK. Oh, said God, no. <laughs> I mean, as many as versions the as there was, it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't on drawing board somewhere. See, see the sticky situation that this particular Hannah Mag is in right now. Yeah, I just called it a Hannah Mag. This is because they didn't grease the track. <laughs> Someone slept on them. Yeah, Hans dropped the ball there. They he didn't clear all the mud out of the tracks before they took off. He cleared fifty-five out of fifty-six track links, and that's why you never half-ass anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you fucking kraut. Uh. He must have been a Polish conscript. No no real German would ever half-ass anything, right? Never. Where's Ezra when you need him? <laughs> Hang on, where, where's where's Val? He can tell us. Oh. The ghost of the well, podcast. Well, I mean the ghost, yeah. Is the ghost of the podcast. <laughs> well, you, you look at the work that he produces, and he definitely doesn't half-ass anything, so... That's right true, on, that's, that's true. true. His trebuchet could be classified as over-engineered. <laughs> it has redundancy. All right. Okay, the C scene in late 1941 was also very similar, but introduced a new flat engine nose plate of 14.5 millimeters thick without any access door. Replaced by a simple hole oh. for the mask. Oh, oh, oh shit. You better hope that right bitch there. doesn't break down. <laughs> That's a Hetzer situation there. Let's see. Other minor mass production simplifications, including the rear access doors, attention was also paid to the engine with the removal of the front hood cooling grid and the lateral access doors replaced by a large open ventilation box. Minor modifications. Yeah, we're just going to prevent this thing from cooling itself, and we're going to prevent you from accessing it, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just a minor change. Yeah, you know, just tear the whole front end off. You got a a couple hours. They're probably not going to live long enough to need to work on it anyway, so what's the deal? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, God. They have to try to get out of the hatch first. <laughs> yes. Ivan's putting in some work. Uh, the lower part of the hall was modified and increased the compartment drill. The rear muffler storage boxes were relo- relocated to the rear, and the mufflers themselves were completely modified. The rearview mirror was relocated from the driver's side vision slit to a lower position, the headlights were now fixed directly to the chassis, and the bumpers removed and replaced with towing hooks. Production for 1941 is assumed to be 389 vehicles. However, an increased production was urgently needed, but by the 1942, these figures rose only to 424, and around 1,200 for all of 1942. Unit cost was 2,560 Reichmarks. Hmm. What do you mean they modified the mufflers? 
Uh, they went that from bitch was the Tokyo drifting. That's why <laughs> they straight piped the head on the. Uh, they went from the uh, one that kind of looks like a regular car muffler, I guess, and from you know what we would be used to seeing uh, to mm-hmm. that weird canister-looking thing that you know is more. Also, oh, they put a fart box on it. <laughs> oh yeah, they tried to turn into a Honda Civic. <laughs> like, like it, it's 1942. It's the middle of the winter. You wake up and you're from your hand and just to hear me cutting your catalytic converter off. It's <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> having that. You gonna take the tracks too or no? Nah, I'm just gonna drive away in my heated prize. <laughs> your heated Prius on the western front or eastern front with your Tim Hortons <laughs> chains on my tires. I can go anywhere. All right, let's go on to the next. All right, now, uh, the D variant, Ooh. this is the one that i uh, pretty much going to talk about the most. Uh, this version was introduced in the spring of 1943 as a set of small changes in design for mass production. 10,602 were uh, built between 1943 and 1945. The modifications included many changes in production design. The number of armored panels reduced from 19 to 9. Oh, God. That seems oh, yeah. safe. <laughs> uh, permanent stowage boxes with padlock access doors are added, replacing the former rear mufflers. Simple vision slits, uh, simple flat engine hood panels with uh, relocated air intakes under the hull. Simplified oh. reverse sloping rear end with flat door panels. And many other minor modifications allowed the simplification of construction while offering the same protection. And it was far less labor intensive, you know, especially when you're using, you know, slave labor. Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You, you said the air intakes are now on the underside of the hull? Yes. It's just this sucking up mud. Never, <laughs> never, ever, nothing bad could ever happen <laughs> from driving this thing over muddy terrain. Well, there's also an air intake um, inside the crew compartment as well. Oh, never mind. Oh, sh- okay. <laughs> Panic was averted. Yes. So, Clint, just to clarify, what what year are we up to? Uh, here? Between nineteen forty three and forty five. Okay, and we've gone through how many variants so uh, this far? This is the fourth one. Excellent. So, just to compare and contrast, the M three had two variants up until this point, and both of them focused on an improved machine gun wing. <laughs> <laughs> Your point. You know, just for those of us keeping score. Oh, that, that's, that's just getting your priorities straight, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, Not I mean, if, if the machine gunner's got to have a clear field of vision. America's going to America. America. <laughs> Damn straight we are. <laughs> Who cares if the thing keeps overheating? No, we need to we need to buy out a 50 cal in the damn thing. Shoot the bastard. <laughs> one 50 cal? Why have one when you can have four? Exactly. Turn into a damn gun truck. What about six? Little foreshadowing to Vietnam. Yes. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. What? What is that? Ezra. Who's shredding paper? I'd, I'd blame him, but he's not. <laughs> that was me. Sorry, I forgot to. Yeah, he was possessed by the ghost of Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna leave that bit in as well. Fuck it. For those of you who are wondering, Ezra is currently puking his guts out. <laughs> no, no, actually, he, he isn't. He's um, making love with his boyfriend. That's what he said. Must be nice. Uh-huh. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Uh, are you suit right now, too? Probably. Okay. Oh, yeah, 100%. Actually, by this time, he's probably taking it off, at least half of it. 
Oh, he doesn't have a quick access flap in it? Well, no, he's, he he's, he's cleaning a, it out. He doesn't God. have a ventilation system in it, so I mean, it gets pretty warm in there. Yeah, that air intake is in the bottom. <laughs> no! Uh, so are you saying he's like a turtle? Oh, pretty God. Much. Oh, no! <laughs> pretty much. I don't want to imagine that. <sighs> yeah, just in case you didn't know, a turtle can also breathe out of its ass. Yes. It's like Man, in Breaking Bad with the severed that? head on the turtle. Sir, hold on. What? Yeah, what? Don, you didn't know this? Don, didn't you ever go to the Toronto Zoo when you were growing up? <laughs> what? <laughs> Turtles also have long dicks, so. Oh, don't remind me of that video. That's the most marine <laughs> shit I've ever heard. Look, you know the video I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. That was circling I... the internet a few years ago. They showed us that in high school. <laughs> <laughs> they What? My economics teacher pulled it up in high school. <laughs> Texas education be like. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you want to learn how to do your taxes? Here's a turtle dick. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds more like fuck evolution, but this is what it did. <laughs> they, they didn't teach you how to do taxes in school? Fuck no, they didn't. What the hell has happened to our public school systems? Like, you guys can't write cursive? You... Uh. <laughs> That yeah, could be a whole code. episode in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, so MMP, I'll be on for that episode too. <laughs> MMP education episode. Screw it. The MMP is going to be in charge of all of the public schools in the Horizon Islands. That's a bad idea. <laughs> no, it's not. They're going to learn the different types of panzers and how easy it was to destroy them. Yeah, but Ezra's going to be a teacher. Oh, God. No, he's not. He's going to be the example. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Ezra's D. Alright, uh, yeah, let's uh, go to the next slide. How did we get, how did we get here? Do what? <laughs> how did we get here? The same way we always do. I'm just saying, just saying, that's a pretty camo. Oh, it is. Don't go it looked down. really good with some, uh, <laughs> some no. throat blood hanging off the side. Oh, uh, a quick question for you. Um, so on the front fenders, you see those two little dingly bob things? The hey, hooks? Those are big. Oh, no. The clearance markers? Ah, that's what they are. Yeah, so Wait, you know, if you hit them, you know your ass isn't going to fit through that. Huh. Isn't that smart? i got to be honest, that is the smartest part of this vehicle I've seen yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, go to the next slide. All right. Ooh, look at that. First scene in combat. The 251 was seen as a real improvement for infantry mobility and added infantry to the armored blitz tactic. It was also a well-known propaganda tool in the newsreels, which led most of the Germans into thinking that the bulk of the German infantry was carried by these armored vehicles. But the reality could be not farther <laughs> from the truth. Those poor bastards. <laughs> uh, due to its cost and slow production, these vehicles were only allocated to uh, some platoons, almost specialized elites within the infantry, and only attached to the best-equipped panzer divisions. By September 1939, only the 1st Panzer Division was partially equipped with the 251. By the start of the Western Campaign in May of 1940, perhaps five Panzer Divisions were also partially equipped. Well used, this vehicle never encountered bad situations, which could have been fatal due to its lack of armor. Alright, next slide. That'd be fun to just ride around in that. So basically, if all the elite guys got, got to ride around on them in the Blitzkrieg, Everyone else just had to do with running around hopped up on meth. Yeah, uh, a lot of motorcycles. 
It's like the and Blitzkrieg was, yeah, motorcycles and horses. Lots of horses. Meth and <laughs> motorcycles. Horses and bicycles. Bro, America, America took the recruiting tactic that the Germans did. Hey, come riding our 251s. Hey, come riding our Humvees. We have shit in Germany. This uh, lack of problems. armor, however, was a limitation later on with the use of some close support versions. Like the Slash 10 here, equipped with the short-range Pac-36 37mm anti-tank gun. Fortunately, most of these versions developed were seen as rear-guard support vehicles. Look at that bent-up fender. Yeah, that like um, sheet metal. Weren't yeah, a lot of these true. ones uh, used as, like, command um, variants as well with the 36 Yeah, yeah, they Oh, were. yeah, there was uh, uh, 23 versions, I believe. I got it wrote down here somewhere. And that's only, like, actual um, produced versions. There was many different field modifications, but we'll get into that here in a bit, too. That's why the Germans lost the war. They were so damn bent up on making paper panzers and redesigning this thing. <laughs> yes, probably the 251 is probably the vehicle that's seen the most different variants throughout the war. The 251 also saw action in North Africa in limited numbers, as only two panzer divisions were involved. Uh, there was no real tropicalized version, only late modifications in the field. Uh, the rear compartment could turn incredibly hot in the sun of this region. <laughs> Imagine I, shot. Yeah. It's like a convection oven. And the interventions were all open to increase air cooling while on the move. The bulk of the A, B, and C saw action in the Balkans, Greece, and in Russia by summer of 1941. By then, most panzer divisions were equipped with the vehicle, at least partially. Less than a thousand were available at the same time for Operation Barbarossa. Production later increased, but at the same time, more and more were converted for support and special purpose vehicles. In Russia, the local situation dictated many conversions for the engineers attached to the Panzer Divisions. Bro, imagine you're going to go assault the fucking British desert position in Africa. You got your boys in the back, you're driving around. You're like a hundred meters from their fucking... Release point. You look back. All your guys have heat stroke. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they like, did offer a nice canvas cover to put over the top. That that would keep the heat out, right? Oh, totally. Oh totally. yeah, yeah. See, Greg, all you'd see then is just the medic running with the silver bullet with a big grin on his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, what the heck? Oh my god, that is sick. <laughs> That would be hot. Holy shit. I need to <laughs> make that. As, uh, yeah, there was only 23 main versions were officially known, uh, but there have probably been countless modifications in the field. Many photos showing vehicles using captured foreign guns and using non-conventional antennae or makeshift conversions as command and observation vehicles. This one here has got the French APX turret on it. I'm really not sure anything about this vehicle, but... It, when I was doing research, this popped up and pretty funny looking. Funny. That thing will kill you, Floki. <laughs> There's three guys in there. <laughs> Bro, they're having a wiener party. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's an awful small turret to fit three people in. I mean, that's... Yeah, usually those early French ones were one person only. Germany started the war because they were compensating for something. <laughs> three people in the twin bed. <laughs> wait, wait, my question is, so did these guys just like... Did they put the turret ring on here as well, or is this thing just sort of sitting there? <laughs> like, how, how far did they commit to this? I don't know. Like I said, I really couldn't find much information on this, <laughs> but it looks like they either took a steel plate over the top of the crew compartment and 
somehow plop this gun into the middle of it. That plate that they put on looks like the thickest metal in the whole vehicle. Oh yeah, definitely. Probably it, it looks like it's sagging under the weight at the center. Oh yeah, I mean if it was any <laughs> oh, thinner, yeah. it would just cave right into the crew compartment. Is that catching air? Yes. Oh my is. god. <laughs> oh my bro, no. It's the rally Hannah <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. WRC. <laughs> well, little known, I mean, uh, the Germans didn't win the open rally competition in Russia in 1942. Um, <laughs> in Russia, the Renner conditions meant that the engine could not always perform well. Imagine that. Really? Shit. Or even oh, that start looks like at it's all. That performing just fine. And all the rubber parts had a tendency to crack and fall apart, which, you know, is every track pad. Uh, the mobility... That's why I never see bitches with uh, face lifts and boob lifts in fucking cold weather. <laughs> <laughs> the mobility was generally excellent, but the thick, sticky mud of the spring and summer rains clogged into the interlaved wheels and then solidified. Really? Yeah. Gee, gee where really? have we heard this problem? Before? I think uh, I think the Russians are having this problem. Oh, uh, yeah. Now you don't, don't learn from uh, your enemy's mistakes. Shit. By the time of the no, introduction, just learn from your own. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, not even that. Hell, those many, many some... times over and over again. Uh, by the time of the introduction of the simplified D, the production numbers rose again. But this vehicle was still in short supply for the Panzer grenaders, as more and more were diverted for fire support and anti-aircraft defense. I like that this is the simple version, but it's got the suspension on the Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> so at about this point, it's starting to be seen less as just a front-line uh, APC, you could say, and it's starting to be transitioned towards more like specialized roles. Yeah. Uh, it's So it's basically what the M113 is now. Yeah. It's starting to take up more of your rear guard positions and, uh, you know, command and... Uh, well, Boring. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now let's get into the walk-around of the, the D variant. Two distinctive features for the majority of the D was the straight fenders and rear-view mirror that was mounted only on the left width indicator. Early production what? had a position light mounted on the left and right fenders between the no-tick blackout light, as pictured in the little picture on the left. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, wow, Dennis. Too eager there. <laughs> Uh, the later production omitted this, as we can see on the right picture. The front armor plate was 14.5 millimeters thick, and the circular fairing covered the starting crank port. This was also deleted on late models, as you can see the one on the right is missing the, the port, or the, the cover for the port. Yeah, I almost just had a stroke because I thought there was a happy face on the SS one on the left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is happy. Made it to the SS. <laughs> oh god. Uh, uh next uh side. Is that cast texture? Why yes it is. God damn. Shit. Did they cast a flat plate? Well, it's uh <laughs> well, it's, no, I guess what? not cast texture, it's rolled texture. Oh, okay. Uh the towing it's hooks to me a putty. <laughs> yeah, uh, Uncle Nightshift got a hold of this. Uh, the towing hooks located on both the left and right side were each secured to the lower hull uh, by three bolts. This was introduced on the C after removing the bumpers. Right, next photo. Almost every Vermont vehicle had either a no-tech blackout light. This light was built in large quantities by the Nova Technic factory in Munich. 
The driver could regulate the intensity of this light. It had a 40 meter length by 25 millimeter width uh, visibility range. Uh, the 251 all the way up to the D had a no-tech light. The late production D switched over to the Bosch light, which is on the right. The Bosch light looks better. Oh, yeah. I agree. All right. Uh, the D had only one muffler on the left side. The muffler fed into the lower plate that connected the front fender to the track fender. The exhaust outlet was placed on the upper part of the drum-shaped muffler and gave the D a 50-centimeter forging depth. Damn, that crew's getting bitches. <laughs> I just recognized that. Well, I mean, you would too if you, you know, drew, uh, drove, drove one of these things. Rolling up to the fucking eastern front. Yeah. Get fucking Gretel coming out of her fucking <laughs> hut. Never seen a man in her life besides her father. She's all of them boys. Yeah, they, they all got that uh, spiffy Hitler youth haircut going on. Mmm. Hans is going to get some, y'all. <laughs> so, Clint, hold up. Did you just say this thing can only forward 50 centimeters? Exactly. What? I've walked through puddles deeper. Yeah, I know. <laughs> wait, wait, 50 centimeters is like 1.66 of, of, of our rulers here. What the hell? That's, that's yes, nothing. standard yellow ruler. Yeah. yeah. That's awful. Now there there That's was like modifications a... to attach um, a snorkel to these, but that was way <laughs> later in the war. <laughs> I swear to God, to me, I had a handle in the creation of these goddamn things in real life because they're like, oh, here's a base kit and here's all the modifications you can get afterwards <laughs> 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 to make it, you know, better. You know, after your twentieth kill, you can unlock a pack forty to put on this. <laughs> oh, do runovers count too? Sure. Yeah. This is a dragon ass looking tank. Alright, the let's see where am I here? Alright. Two armored doors gave access to the Maybach HL forty two engine. The late uh D had these doors replaced with one large door that opened rearward instead of uh side to side. Are the tracks off? No, the tracks are on there. That's just uh carrying extra tracks extra armor jack oh, yeah. germans were more you know i was just looking life. down there in the back you can see the back wheels there but no front track uh, yeah you can see uh see the track there right behind the wheel Open okay the yeah at the back there. wake up wake up wake up juice bed putting me to sleep <laughs> let's uh go to the next picture all right here oh, we can see a few things uh Let's start with the retractable armor plate for the driver and commander radio uh, position. Uh, both are identical and can be closed during combat. Uh, the crew carried extra armored glass that could be swapped out if damaged. Uh, second from this photo is the visor slit for the driver. Uh, the C, this was a retractable armor plate, but was replaced with just a slit to help speed up production. Uh, third is the three stowage bins built into the lower sides of the vehicle. These had a hinge located at the base of the bin, and the door opened downward. And each bin was secured with a lock attached to a chain, you know, probably to deter any Russian civilians from easily stealing your possessions after they just clapped you. Or, you know, dudes from the other unit. Or, yeah, that yeah. <laughs> Is that a Falschenbjäger right there? Uh, the least two of them were wearing uh, Falschenbjäger helmets. There's a bullet hole in the and, side. And smocks from the looks yeah. of it. Did yeah. did Falschenjägers use these? 
Uh, the Luftwaffe had some of their own versions. I'm not sure if the Fallschirmjägers had them or not. Of course a goddamn Air Force had fucking armored vehicles. You know, the Fallschirmjägers probably had them. It was a little bit specialized. It was a little bit specialized. <laughs> Thanks, There's a Jack, bullet hole in the side there. Good. Yeah. Hope the driver died. <laughs> <laughs> no, too far back for that. Uh, uh, next photo. And this here looks like it could be the same vehicle. Oh my god. That's a hell of a drop. Why did they park there? <laughs> <laughs> Jump out, Hodge. <laughs> Break your ankle. Get out of the front lines. Look, if that thing rolls back because he left in neutral, that's going to go into a puddle, and I, I'm guaranteeing that's steeper than 50 centimeters. <laughs> <laughs> there to this day. It's become a lake. Your injury is not service-related. <laughs> Shit. Uh, the biggest change seen on the D is the rear doors. Again, to simplify production without losing armor protection, the rear end was redesigned to be a flat-angled armor plate with two doors. Also seen in this photo is the center-mounted towing fixture. The 251 could tow trailers or guns up to a weight of 2.7 tons. Uh, harder to see in this uh, picture is the air pressure coupling next to the uh, mounting fixture. And this uh, provided air to the brakes of what trailer they was towing. Right, the track suspension consisted of 12 interlavered uh, pressed steel wheels with uh, solid rubber tires, uh, six rails per side. To the front was the drive sprocket and the idler at the rail, at the rear. <laughs> and that was the idler was used to tension the tracks. Uh, engine torque was transmitted to the Mercano PF220K dry twin plate clutch <laughs> to the mm. me mechanical transmission. That was relocated behind the differential. This brake differential drive unit was based on a design developed by the Cleveland Tractor Company in Cleveland, Ohio. God damn it. Uh, uh, next photo. Oh, God. Oh, Look yeah. at all those grease points. <laughs> and I'm just wondering if each track had two, if there was one on each side. No. Oh, God, imagine. Imagine trying to get in the other side. I think you'd have to just unpin the tracks at that point and just roll them yeah. all Yeah. <laughs> no, the Germans easiest. probably had some special angled grease skin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, the tracks were composed of rib steel castings that had holes drilled in them for lightness. The inside of the track had a drive tooth, and most 251s had hard rubber pads on the outside of the tracks. A temporary shortage of synthetic rubber caused steel caps to be used briefly in the summer of 44. These steel caps have reduced the top speed to only 30 kilometers an hour since high speeds would damage the suspension. <laughs> Get fucked. Uh, next photo. And the instrument panel here. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. Next. Is that your hand? No. Oh shit! I wish we've got we've got Clint's hands. <laughs> I, I, I fucking wish I was be able to drive one of these. Uh, the first two levers uh, located right next to the steering rail. Uh, one, the one on the left controls the radiator, and the one on the right controls the flaps for the radiator, and, you know, allowing you know more air in and out. Uh, the two buttons under the levers. Uh, the left is the main switch, and the right is just the horn. Uh, third is the Long tachometer, that has a range of 380 RPMs up to 3500 RPMs. 
Oh, the Iltus doesn't even have a tachometer. The fuck? I got scammed. You just you you just it's it's tachometry by sound. Exactly. If you see smoke coming from the engine, you should probably let off the gas. But <laughs> yes, yeah, good time to good time to shift. I mean, fair surprise doesn't have a tachometer. Oh, shut up. <laughs> then the next cluster of gauges here, or yeah. Uh, we have the master stop switch, which is the um, the little button right underneath uh, the tachometer there. And then we have uh, the oil PSI, which is the top gauge to the left. Uh, the right is the water temperature, and the bottom is the air pressure for the brakes. And the last uh, switch is uh, for the instrument panel lights. Uh, Bro, you went way into this. I love it. Uh, I thought I was supposed to. <laughs> Good Have shit. You episodes? <laughs> <laughs> the problem is you're setting a standard. Yeah. God damn it. Sorry, Clint. <laughs> now we'll have wait. to have you on every episode. Wait, wait, oh, wait. No, we, the had <laughs> we had a standard. <laughs> I didn't say it was, I didn't say it was high. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast doesn't have a single standard. I don't know what you're talking about. We we live to lower the bar. <laughs> yeah. I had low expectations, but I'm still disappointed here. <laughs> uh, one thing that is missing on the D is a speedometer, uh, which was another cost savings uh, omitting because, you know, the German army wasn't concerned about speed limits in occupied territories, apparently. Fuck Sorry, no, they're going to blitzkrieg that bitch. Exactly. I mean, honestly, the, the idea that this thing would ever go fast enough to warrant the use of a speedometer is kind of hilarious. <laughs> It's fine, the Iltus' speedometer is broken too. <laughs> well at least you have a speedometer. I've got the I've got the area for one. Just replace <laughs> just replace it with a chalkboard or a dry erase board and then just put down how fast you think you're going. Exactly. If you get pulled over, be like, see officer, I was only going twenty five. So. <laughs> I was keeping track. <laughs> Alright, uh Okay, in this uh, picture, we can see where the med kit was located, uh, along with the how the radio was mounted in this version. And did all of them have radios? Not all of them did. Um, okay. In the beginning, uh, they tried to, and then later on, as the war you know drug on, it's like, eh, not everyone needs a radio. <laughs> the RAF made that decision. Or at least for not it. everyone needs a transmitter. <laughs> You know, actually, what they did was they put it on the backs of some, like, 17-year-old. So, you know, fuck that guy. And that uh, U-shaped pipe that you can see underneath the instrument panel there, uh, that is the air intake for the engine. Oh, my God. You're not feeding the engine with a lot of air, exactly, are you? Eh, well, you also got two, you know, underneath the yeah, armor plating. Look at those comfy seats. Oh, yeah. That looks like back pain. But if you made it into a piece of furniture. <laughs> Scoliosis. <laughs> Alright, and we're just gonna touch on the different variants here really quick. Yay, an M3. I was gonna say, look, it's the the, the good half track. Oh yeah, too bad there's uh, that M3 in the background with it, though. Oh. <laughs> uh, hey, he got you on that one. Hey, <laughs> Uh, this is, uh, of course, the one, which was the standard troop carrier. Next uh, picture. Uh, this was ah, the two, the 
Uh, I'm gonna screw this up. Grant, Granta Ruffer? The Stuka. The Stuka. This yeah, was the, the Land Stuka. Stuka Zoo first. This was the standard motorized mortar version used by the infantry. It carried um, apparently 66 rounds of this altogether. I'm not sure if that included a trailer that they towed behind or not. Maybe for Were those company? all wooden? Yeah, yeah, they are wooden. Yeah, Fuck. and you'd only you'd only need one decent seven six two shot. <laughs> <laughs> Line that bitch up. <laughs> and on Fun the next fact: one? This was actually the uh, first model I ever had. Uh, it was a little cor- uh, corgi diecast from nineteen fifty four. Oh man! Yeah, and it was cool because like you could actually put these little red rockets into the uh, launching brackets. You press the little button on it, and they would shoot off. Oh shit! They actually launched. Oh yeah. Oh man. <laughs> uh, this was the Funk Panzerwagen, which is their main radio version. Um, it was subdivided into five different versions, which was just different radio configurations. Let's move to the four. Wait, so what was that big old like canopy thing up top? Uh, talking about with the the bed frame antenna. If you want to go back slide. Yeah. I've never understood this. Uh, it's uh, it's an antenna. I'm not exactly sure how that worked better than, say, a regular aerial mast, but it apparently it did. Well, maybe Fucking one Germans. of the ideas, I don't know if this is true or not, it, is it possible that one of the ideas was that you could use it almost as a sort of frame, and you could put a canvas cloth on top if you were just playing on having the guys uh, the high sitting top. in one, step, sp- yeah. you know, one place? I, I don't think it is, because if you look at a lot of... Um, sort of early and slightly pre-war armored um, vehicles, they'll often have a, uh, a frame antenna running around. A lot of the German armored cars did, and some of the Japanese tanks did as well. So the I think it just had some BT-7. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't speak um, Sparky, but I think this just has something to do with antenna shapes and what have you. Huh. Yeah, definitely. I think, it, I think it's... Uh, I think it's designed to give as much um, antenna surface area around it without having to go too high for range. That would make that sense. That would make yeah. better sense. Yeah. And plus, I wonder be if cool you to could throw. I wonder if you could throw like a, a blanket over the top of it. That's like, literally what I'm saying. Trailers. Yeah, that's probably that's what Dennis said. Yeah. No, I'm sure. I'm sure it's an added benefit. Yeah, be good overhead coverage. Uh, the four was the. Schonsen Panzerwagen. This version was uh, just strengthened for towing heavy guns, such as the 50mm uh, Pack 38, the 75mm Pack 40, and the 10.4cm light field howitzer. Hmm. On to the next one. Alright, the 5 was the first of the Pioneer versions. Uh, the main assault engineer vehicle modified to carry a pair of light dismantable assault bridges on top. And inflatable boats. Uh, These Ah. first versions, uh, these ramps were made completely out of wood. Oh my god. I say we get these for HIDF. They got boats. Are are the boats basically like rolled up and put into these storage containers on the side? Uh, From what I could tell from my research, that's what it said. They was carried in the side storage boxes. That is awesome. Wow. Go out canoeing with the boys. <laughs> It'd be a pain in the ass if you went to like, right, let's get the boats out, and oh, there's bullet holes in this. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> 
Uh, the sixth was the Command Panzerwagen. It was a oh, early command and radio home. vehicle, which was modified to house map boards and cipher and encoding machines. That is cool. That would be so cool to build. Oh, yeah. I built... Uh, crap, I can't remember which one it is now. It's, it was one of the uh, command versions that had the... It doesn't have a bed frame mass. It has the extendable star antenna. Please send pictures. Oh, I will. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, send I'll, I'll post some in the Discord here in a bit. Thanks, Poppy. All right, and this is the seven, which was the main of the Pioneer uh, assault. Uh, sorry, I'm tongue-tied here. <laughs> uh, this is the seven, which is uh, another engineer assault vehicle uh, fitted with uh, bridge ramps, and these were made of uh, metal with only the top part being made out of wood, so they could. Uh, you know, hold more weight on them. Uh, they also carried uh, uh, special compartments to house mines and uh, anti-mine uh, equipment, like uh, mine, de- mine detector equipment. Yeah. Please tell me the mines were armored. Uh, like the, the, the boxes where they were in were armored, right? They wouldn't put them in an unarmored box. Do what? The mines. They wouldn't put them in an armored, unarmored storage box, would they? No, no. They they was. You know, lightly armored storage boxes. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, the Stuka version didn't have any armor at all for the high explosives strapped to the sides. Why break the habit of a lifetime? (laughs) The Greyhound just had anti-tank mines stuck to the side of it, too. Yes, it did. And this is the 8, which was the Klonken Panzerwagen. Bro, it's bigger than my RV camper. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the armored ambulance version could carry four injured personnel on stretchers, two lying and four seated, or ten lightly wounded sitting soldiers. Uh, to help access, a folding step beneath the doors was also added. Most were converted from early A, B, and C versions during the war. There was no armament and a large canvas uh, roof was used to cover the top. The two subversions were equipped with a FUG-5 long radio and uh, attached to uh, mobile HQs. And also to note, uh, this thing, like, up by the driver's compartment, that is um, a canteen, or a water water storage bin. I know the, all the yeah, Tamiya the kits, they, they have it's, that. It's, yeah, a it's, it's a keg. It's a keg. <laughs> it's a water keg. That, that, that's what it is. But all the nope. Tamiya kits put that in there, even though only the ambulance had it. All right, this is the the 9 with the 7.5 centimeter KWK-37, which is, you know, the same gun as our favorite Stug 3. And then Ezra rejoined the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't they call this like the Stummel or something? Yeah, the Stummel. Yeah. That's cute. It was the standard SPG variant, also called the Kahnenwagen, was equipped with a short barrel 75 millimeter howitzer, which used the same mounting as the Stug 3, it was nicknamed the Stummel, and committed in great numbers on the Eastern Front. First ordered in March of 1942, uh, Bolsing Nog delivered two prototypes in June, tested in Russia, a first batch of 150 vehicles were delivered during the following months. Based on the sea, by late 1944, a major modification, including a revised Modular higher gun mount with a coaxial MG42 for close defense. This allowed uh, better protection and better de- um, 
better movement of the gun, which could now transverse 20 degrees on each side. That's actually not bad. The gun was had a provision of 52 rounds, but many were carried wherever it was possible to fit more. Uh, notably in the rifle racks and cramped into extra soft bags. Uh, yeah, I think that's about all I have for this one. And this is the 10, which was the 3.7 centimeter pack. This is the standard early anti-tank support version for the Panzergrenaders. It Crypt with the 37mm Pack 36 gun, which had an effective range of only about 1,200 meters. Many photos show that, that they removed the upper panels of the shield, as the crew was already pretty well protected inside the hull, and in order to fool observers thinking this was just a regular MG version of the ch uh, troop transport. And this is the 11, I'm gonna screw this name up, Fern Spurch Panzerwagen. It was a telephone cable layer version based on the C. A large box uh, laying apparatus with cable wheels was housed in the rear compartment with little room to spare for the operators. They were used to create a network and occupy territories of Russia. All right. Ooh, that's a good picture. Wow, look at this. Now, the artillery uh, observation uh, variants, that was the 12, the 13, the 14, the 15, and the 18. I can <sighs> only find pictures of the 18. Uh, the 12, it was a visual survey vehicle. Uh, the 13 and 14, they were sound recording carrier variants. Uh, the 15 was flash spotting uh, carrier variants. And the 18 here was an artillery independent observation variant, which comprised three radio subversions of this. Uh, you can see they added extra armor to the sides. And they also had this platform built here and you can see some uh, scissor. It looks like they're playing the world's most dangerous game of peekaboo. They kind of is. Oh god. Yeah, that would be a good diorama. Um, I built one of these and I've never put into a diorama. It's still packed up in my completed builds that I haven't done anything else with. Oh, fuck you, do it. <laughs> this is the 16, or the Flampanzerwagen. It was the Flampanzerwagen. <laughs> it was the main flamethrower variant, mostly used by the SS, which comprised, <laughs> at first, a rear detachable flamethrower, then the two 14mm flame projectors attached to the vehicle on pivots. I need Tamiya to make a God running civilian set. <laughs> 3D printing. <laughs> See, this I'm is sorry, I can't oh, help it. No. <laughs> See, that's what I'm planning on doing with my M113. So, <laughs> oh shit, shit, MMP war crimes. <laughs> <laughs> Floki, once you said this was given to the SS, I, yeah, you know, we knew well. where it was headed. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, the hull retaining the four defense machine gun. The flamethrowers were protected by small masks, and the range was approximately 35 meters. Uh, depending on the wind and climate conditions, they were fed by two 700-liter internal tanks placed on the rear. So, you know, one shot in this thing, and, well... <laughs> oh, God, it's going up I, like a I fucking... Really 35 meters is a decent amount. Oh, yeah, I mean, look at that. that. Can... That's, uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like a decent amount for a... Ivan's shrimp. Just it's a decent amount for a flamethrower, but that's right in the perfect range of a uh, DP-23. 
Or yeah. a Panzerfaust. Or, you know, just Ivan with what? a sticky grenade. Yeah, just anything, pretty much. It's just sheet metal and a big fuel tank. Yeah, 700 liters. I'm not sure how many <laughs> gallons that is off the top of my head. A lot. Yeah, it's a shit ton. Yeah, it's 8 millimeters of sheet metal and 700 liters of fuel. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, this is safe to take into combat. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine being the driver, because if that thing goes up, you are fucked. Like... No, everybody that, is. <laughs> I mean, everyone is, but theoretically, he's the one that's, like, really confined. Like, crammed in there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. poor bastard. No, he's got a keg beside him. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, only if he's in the Tamiya version. This is also the perfect uh, vehicle for uh, when you're on the Eastern Front in the middle of winter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, true. Oh, dude, you're right. Except for the fact that you have to be exposed to all the uh, weather up there. Nah, bro, roll up to a babushka's house, light that bitch up, and he got a fire for like five hours. <laughs> Lighting babushka's <laughs> candles. Now, according to my research, they was uh, given uh, flame retardant suits, but eh, looking at them, it doesn't look like they're wearing them. <laughs> bro, that guy's sitting there like, Hans, look at this! <laughs> <laughs> Let me try to Watch light what I can do! <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, considering beer. that Considering their uh, flame-proof uh, would have just been a suit of asbestos, it would have killed them either way. <laughs> oh, yeah. They are going to die one oh. way or another. Is that a, a second turret on the side? Oh, yeah, there was, the uh, there was one yeah, on each side. Yeah, there's two. Oh, my God. And some of them even had one that uh, attached to the uh, rear plate that they could take off and use as a standard man flamethrower. Oh, my God. Who thought we this can't... was a good idea? <laughs> The Germans. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if the Germans was ever, you know, going to invade the Pacific, I mean, this would be perfect. Right. Shit. Let's see. But however, the required kind of petrol turned to be in short supply, so these wasn't actually <laughs> used damn it. Of course it was. <laughs> uh, the crew was protected by fireproof overalls, which, you know, these guys aren't wearing. Asbestos. Uh... The asbestos trousers. Yes, they had the ability to perform about 2,700 short bursts of two seconds each. Mmm. So, yeah, that 700 liters would get you a lot of bang for your buck, I guess. That, yeah. Oh, my That's God. That's a decent amount of civilians. Yeah. <laughs> well, just not civilians, but, you know, also, you know, unarmed uh, POWs. <laughs> what? No. You mean those weapons next to the burn fucking earth and corpses are like uh, not burned uh, what do you mean they, they're placed there after oh they must have some sort of weird fireproofing on them damn Russians they were also wearing asbestos <laughs> each panzer grenade regiment was on paper to be supplied with uh, six uh, each, uh, six of these in each platoon oh my god, oh my god. Uh, but of course you know that didn't happen <laughs> thankfully they would have burned up the whole fucking countryside that's fucking horrifying and six in each platoon. There was also supposed to be two support vehicles in each platoon carrying an extra eighteen hundred and fifty gallons. Oh my god! You're swimming <laughs> in it at that point. You, one good bomb, and then it's all over. Oh yeah, I mean, you just wiped out like a the whole fucking like seventh army or something. That's American doctrine. <laughs> one straight. good bomb. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, they were mostly oh. converted from C and D vehicles uh, that was uh, sent back to be re-engineered. 
and seemingly introduced in January of 43, they fought in Russia, Italy, and Holland. So wait, why the hell are the Germans scorched earthing themselves? Yeah, well, uh, I, I don't know. Hitler did a lot it's of stupid things. Is a hell of a drug. <laughs> They're a depressed bunch of guys who like to self-harm themselves. Sounds familiar. I mean, Russia was doing the same cold. thing, so maybe they was just imitating them. They're just adding to the nothingness. They're adding to the fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, before we talk about the 20, there was also the 19, which I cannot find a picture of. USA. Five. It was a telephone exchange vehicle used uh, alongside the, the 11. All right, and this is the 20, which is uh, the infra... Oh, crap. Infra... Oh, okay, th- th- this is just a big infrared emitter, okay? <laughs> Does that <laughs> does that say it has two kills on the front? Yeah, no, that's probably something about the two bombs testing yeah. their fucking chalk. <laughs> yeah, they're testing their chalk. Imagine getting two kills with an infrared emitter. No, these was also equipped uh, with uh, machine guns that also had uh, uh, the infrared scopes. Oh, uh, looks like it's been taken off of this, but that's with the picture in the left hand corner. That's uh, one of the MGs with the scopes. Well, the scope oh, MG's so it's gone. Just under the emitter. Huh. Oh, it's like the um the vampire yeah. yep. scope. These were appeared in nineteen forty four. This version was attached to the special night attack panzer regiments, equipped with uh, infrared panzers. Or Panthers, sorry. Uh these infrared searchlights, uh this version carried a 60 centimeter, 1500 meter range infrared searchlight for illuminating targets rail beyond the range of the Panthers' uh, infrared equipment. They were also deployed alongside vampire night assault troops equipped with portable infrared equipment. And this was the 21, or the drilling. It was about 242 built of these with a triple Mauser MG 151 15mm uh, turret. Uh, later replaced by the 20 millimeter MG151, of uh, the drilling uh, prototype was tested in early 1944 on the C variant, but production only occurred on the on the D. The triple mount was belt fed. Uh, <laughs> the inner gun received 400 rounds. The outer 250. The mount itself was uh, derived of a, from the naval type. And it was literally just the naval gun bolted to the floor. <laughs> God. Uh, these guns are surplus of the Luftwaffe, now using heavier models, uh, complete with their standard aircraft cradles and joined together to the top bracket of the pedestal pivoting uh, for a maximum elevation and traverse that they could get out of it. Yeah, the Germans love just slapping naval guns on shit. Hey, if it works... Yeah, guns are gone. I mean, when you don't have a navy to put anything on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do. It's just, you know, ground uh, beached itself up at a fjord in Norway somewhere. Hans, if has a navy. <laughs> you do that too well. Anyways, continue. We're not going to talk about that. I'm not a German. Alright, and this is the, the Pack 40. Hey, you made that. Yes, I did. Hey. Oh. Foreshadowing. And literally, they just took the Pack Forty and 
took some slap that bitch. Yeah, on. just slapped that thing in there, made a rudimentary mount out of uh, some, you know, angle iron, and boom, it was good to go. <laughs> I want to see this in Ukraine. <laughs> oh, it's probably there. <laughs> there are at least two. Yeah, of them. I mean, if the Russians captured any, they'd probably be pouring them out of storage any time now. <laughs> Shit, you're right. You're right. And this was the 23, which is that the 222 turret? Yes, it is. It's the... oh, oh my god, it. Greg, you could make this. <laughs> I could, but I'm not going to. Oh, the 222 no. version is the 23. Should be the twenty second. Uh, uh, what? what? I'm so confused. My brain Don't doesn't like the, the numbers. Please. Okay, go on. Onward. Uh, anyway, yeah, this was the the twenty millimeter auto cannon <laughs> uh, variant that they just slapped into the normal troop carrying version. And the last thing I got, this was the oh the didn't have a technical uh, nomenclature name. It was wood just a wood field, field for uh, driver training. Uh, so, what's the barrel on the front? That's <laughs> uh, just part of it's, the it's, how they could burn the wood and convert it into energy somehow, I guess. Uh, they, it's utterly, it, they use, it's utterly insane. Yeah, they used a... Um, uh, when you burn wood in a certain way with certain materials, you produce a gas which is flammable, which can be used in a rudimentary way, same as, say, converting a car to accept LPG. Oh, yeah, didn't they do a lot of uh, wood fuel conversions during the war when fuel was short? And then yeah, the British they had them converted back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cars. Bro. They sent them to war. The guys who made that, they sent to war so they die. And their fuel economy. No, those things were vehicles. explosive as hell. <laughs> Shit. If someone made this again, he'd get clapped by the CIA or something. <laughs> and that's all I got for you guys. But I've got one. Yay! Oh. <laughs> I've got Intercepted. one. Intercepted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is the OT. The OT810. Uh, these were basically two five ones that were made by the Czech after the war. Um, So a lot of them were built and used by the Czech army. And then they were, a lot of them were captured or, you know, just left over. So the Czech army after the war recognized that armored personnel carriers had an important part of warfare. Uh, War stocks of the two five one was already being used by the Czechoslovak people's army as the HKL-6 in the late 1940s. The production of the OT-810 as an improved version started in 1958 and ended in 62. In this short time, 1,500 vehicles were built, replacing uh, replaced the BTR-152 used by the motorized rifle companies. In addition, there were countless HKL-6s, which were converted into the status of the OT-810. Uh, so they're mainly used as a group vehicle uh, until 1966, and then the after that they they had the successor of the OT62 and OT64. Um, however, the OT uh, the OT810 was still being used as a traction device for the 82 millimeter light gun. Uh, it was actually finally retired in 1980. 
ish. Oh, in the 80s. wow. 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 <laughs> Holy. Yeah, so these these are still running around. Um, so the, o, the OT810 made a new start possible for the low-lying Czech armaments industry in particular. Uh, the vehicle was possibly the only half-track produced after the war, with the exception of the Chilean BMS-1 Alacran in 1983. The vehicle was based on the version D of the Wehrmacht model. The vehicle had some chassis, had some chassis with a box drive in the front, and the front axle with tires for steering assistance. The power was transmitted by the chain. Changes to the German model consisted primarily in the introduction of an eight-cylinder diesel from Tantra which replaced the German Maybach engine, which probably means it was a slightly less complicated, easier to maintain engine. So this increased the range from 320 kilometers to 600 kilometers. Oh, wow. wow. Okay, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's sli- a slightly better engine, eh? Now, for the first time, the armored personnel carrier was closed all around and thus offered protection against chemical weapons fallout and especially against weapons such as hand grenades, Molotov cocktails, and artillery fragments. The armor case was made of 8 to 12 millimeter thick steel and was chamfered to provide more protection. The vehicle commander had a roof hatch on which a uh, sling sling ring and with a machine gun was attached firing hatches were provided for firing weapons from the closed vehicle a little bit of trivia in the films about the second world war the sdkf 251 was difficult to obtain as a prop after 1945 wonder why Uh, so they're mostly represented by the m3 half track in some cases such as uh, stalingrad der undertag and oh my god the Bruck von Reigermann, whatever, don't care. OT810 vehicles could be procured for the role. They can be recognized by the closed roof. So basically, the way you do, the main way you can tell a 251 from OT810 is by the roof. OT810s have a closed roof. Well, shit, there you go. And they have dry tracks. Thank God. I think they have dry tracks, at least. I well, really the, hope they The photo dry. here has got... Um, Oh, thank God! <laughs> yeah, those those are uh, you're good. But look at this compared to you know the two five one D. It's like how could this be newer? But looks like they went backwards. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the ones to say to Mia, avoid them. <laughs> <laughs> go go with go with the dragon kits and the AFE club. Yes. I really want that drilling one. I think there's two slides because there's a lot of people who make the. Uh... Two five one. Oh yeah, there you and go. Different variants. And see, uh, is it Das Work that's uh, coming out with a new one with Dragon? Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, at the end of the day, it's just literally the Dragon kit with new box arts. So I mean, yeah. it's pretty redundant. No, it's supposed to have some uh, 3D printing stuff in it too. I thought. Is it? Thought I remember seeing that. I have to look yeah, at. The I have to go again. and look at our old episodes to see. You, you might be right. That Dragon. Off D with a two centimeter gun. That's a that's a nice looking kit. Oh, I want that one. <laughs> I'll send you pictures of the spruce. Oh. <laughs> it's the first one I'm working on when I get my house. It's my Battle of the Bulge group build. Nice. Yeah. That's the one you're doing, really? Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah, it's waiting to be ripped into. It's like a bride on wedding night. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what, she has a headache? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> a two-week headache. And that was the uh, SDK episode 251. Thank you so much for uh, talking about that with us, Clint. Hey, no problem. Glad, uh, glad you guys uh, had me on. I really enjoyed this. All right. Well, after a short intermission, we will get right into the hobby news and then our current works in progress. This episode is brought to you by Autoloader Decals. Have you wandered around the shelves of your local hobby store and found that perfect model kit? Great tooling, fun to build and look, you remember seeing the subject. Perhaps it was a truck in the ubiquitous white UN paint scheme in the newspaper, or maybe it was a Sherman tank from your local armour unit. Everything is lining up for a fantastic new project, one with a more interesting connection to yourself, instead of a project derived from a history book. Then you open the kit, and there are none of those specific markings to be found. Water slide decals really put the final touch on a model, and unfortunately for the model maker, most kit manufacturers won't put too much time into designing decals that produce a finished model in anything but its most stereotypical form. That's why Autoloader Decals exists. It is their sincere hope that you'll be able to find as much enjoyment using these special water slides as they have. Autoloader Decal pro products are primarily focused on Canadian subjects, but in general if you're looking for markings that represent vehicles from lesser known parts of modern history, Chances are you might just be able to find something worth trying. The water slide decals are printed through an inkjet printer and sealed with a high quality varnish to ensure their strength on the model. Unlike most other water slides, these decals only need to be submerged for a few seconds and can be placed right onto the model. They are incredibly tough and won't yellow over time. For an added benefit, decals intended for 1 to 35 scale are treated with a special varnish that gives a subtle painted on look that's both in scale and more realistic than other brands offerings. All the products currently in production are listed in the store page. If you have a custom design you would like to order, the best way of making this order is to send an email through the contact page. Generally the cost of a custom order will be 40-50% to 50 higher than any products that are in stock to account for labour. Also as a special deal, if you have, if you are ordering a set of custom decals and you mention the Micro Machines podcast, you will receive a free exclusive MMP Pinju decal with your order. So next time you're looking to build a specific or unique vehicle, look towards Autoloader decals. Just go to www.autoloadermodels.ca for all your water slide decal needs. And now, back to the show. Alrighty. So, for this week's hobby news. So, this one I'm excited about. This is from ICM in 48th, a B26K Counter Invader. Uh, this is the earlier variant, and the reason I want this one desperately is because this is the variant that they used uh, in the Congo War. Um, huh. A conflict not really talked about much. So, the main differences of this one is there the... Um, the engine air inlets are slightly different. They had to modify them for the um, for the climate in Africa. They didn't. Uh, the engine inlets didn't really uh, work that well, so they had to modify them. So that's the main difference. Uh, also, because of the rules of engagement in the Congo War, they couldn't use unguided bombs, so they used rockets instead. So, hence why you've got four pylons that could accept bombs. Uh, they can only use the Alta 2 for rockets because uh, you wouldn't want to fire rockets through the propeller. So this one comes um, in the stand. The, the camo uh, supplied is this really, really cool sort of mint green 
dark mint green sort of color. Don't know how. Yeah. What would you guys describe that as? Ivy. Emerald. Ivy. Yeah, but it's the super cool green. Uh, it's a great looking aircraft. And finally, someone <laughs> is representing one of the smaller conflicts like the Congo War, because a lot of stuff was used in those smaller things that have very cool camos and color schemes and markings and all of that. So this this is going to be a really, really nice kit. I really want one. HIDF Air Force. Oh, fuck yeah. This is Quite HIDF. Yeah, for sure. I should have some uh, walk-around photos I took uh, of this a couple years ago. Ooh, I'm going to want Sound those. Um, this is from Huna. They have a bunch of 72nd armor. So I think these are mainly, uh, these are all Italian subjects. You yeah, got an that... artillery tractor, a 80mm anti-aircraft gun, a 210mm heavy gun, and a truck of some sort. I don't know how to pronounce it, but these are all resin kits as well in 72nd, so. Oh, well. Wow. That parade is really nice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, they do look cool. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. 1 to 24? Yep. What? If Airfix are bringing out another 24th, 24th scale, this is a Mark 11C. Yeah, that's 11 or 9. 9. nine. I failed. Um, so they're bringing out a Mark 9C Spitfire in 24th scale. I I really want to try a 24th scale. Maybe this one. I, That'd be I nice. built the 5B years ago same here yeah it's an absolute monster it's a terrible kit. um yes and i didn't do it any favors <laughs> i will say like if you do uh want to get this kit be aware the cad data shows stuff like the uh, cockpit has very little detail um the seats have the seat belts molded on uh, uh it, it, it's everything you don't it, want it, it to be. To my mind, it is almost as if they've taken some of the parts from the uh, the uh, earlier mold that they have, and they've just slapped some new parts on. I I, I'd be, I would be careful. You will need a photo etch for this because yeah, honestly, just get the Edward is bad photo etch kit that'll drop. Yeah, either that or I want the Hellcat and twenty fourth. Mm. The Hellcat's supposed to be really nice. Yeah, yeah, I've seen someone do a uh, build of that. Uh, what else? Um, I hate to say it, but Ooh. Ravel have released uh, released CAD renderings of their Hawker Hurricane Mark Two B in thirty second scale. Yeah. This actually, this looks pretty good, actually. That does look good. Oh, too bad it's so big. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding judgment on this because knowing Ravel, they they'll manage to figure out a way to make it impossible to build. Well, Dennis, if you buy it for me, I can tell you all about it. Dude, I'll buy one for me and one for you. <laughs> Fucking bet. I got that on recording. <laughs> Dennis. Callum, if you could edit that. Out. Hey, if you want it to <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it is nice to see a 1 to 32 scale hurricane, though, a new one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love the hurricane. Yes. Ooh. Uh, I'm sure everyone knows about it. Uh, Tommy, no, everyone, everyone's talks about when Tamiya is releasing something so in their 48 scale armor they have the m8 scott the uh howitzer mounted on a stewart love it i bro 3d print so much spent ammunition for this it'll be like a pile taller than the actual tank (laughs) (laughs) why is everyone so wound up for this because it's cool look at it it's so cute hang on a second hang on because it's Tamiya in 48th armor 
That I I do like their forty eight line. Go go look but at I, podcast planning. Look they they took the same figure from the Hellcat and just shrunk it. Hey, it works. Oh my you god, they did. <laughs> the hell? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn to me. So this was shown at I think Telford. Yes. So, yeah. Um, I'm I'm excited about it just because it'll be a thing for me to do 3D printing with again because I'll be able to 3D print all the uh, shells, both the ones that are ready to be fired and the ones that are used. Because if you look at photos of these, either they've got a stack of shells waiting to get loaded in, or a stack of shells that have been fired out. Do it. It looks like they kind of showed that in the background. Either that or that's Deadfall. Oh no, there are shells in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, those yeah, there's some small, right, right behind, but I almost don't like farther. They look a little small. Well, what the fuck? Maybe if they do this, then they'll do a um, a 48 Stewart too. That'd I would nice. love that. I'd buy that immediately. Yeah, I'd be I'd be impressed. I, with I that. really need to make this switch from 35th to 48th. Honestly, uh, it is much better on the shelf. Yeah. Hey yo. Ooh. Uh, so, amusing hobby is in 35th bringing out a two-in-one kit. So, this is of the T90A and a Uran 9, which oh. is an unmanned ground combat vehicle. I don't like that box art. Yeah, the box art's not that good. <laughs> yeah, two of the crappiest vehicles made ever. <laughs> <laughs> I want the T90. Oh, see, I want the Uran. Yeah, I was going to say, I want the Uran. That thing actually looks pretty cool. Don will split it in half using Dennis's <laughs> discount and call it good. <laughs> Sold. You hear that, Dennis? <laughs> I'm being I'm being prostituted for my discount. <laughs> yes, you are. How good is a amusing hobby new stuff? Uh, I built their FV4005, and the tracks were amazing. I love the tracks; they're fantastic. Um, overall, their Centurions are really good, but the uh, turret on the FV4005 was kind of bare. But yeah, on the whole, really good. Definitely worth it. And they make stuff which like no one else does, which is always nice. Oh yeah, that's me. Uh, there's another two-in-one from Armor Hobby, the Cactus Air Force um, set, which includes oh. an F4F for Wildcat and a P400 or P39D Air Cobra. Ooh. So it's a two-in-one deluxe set. Armor Hobby stuff is fantastic. I've really and it has 3D that? printed it. It also has 3D printed accessories included. Oh, oh nice. okay. That's I would get this. That's pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, if you guys haven't built Arma Hobby stuff yet, it is it is fantastic. They got any tanks? No. God damn it. So are they Where only can... one seventy second? They only do one seventy second. Ah, yeah. Damn it. Uh. Ooh, look at that. This that one's for Greg. Yes. This one's for Greg. Uh another ICM. This is a German mortar crew. With the SGRW34 yeah. mortar uh, with a crew for it. So 100% new molds. These are brand new. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Good How much is the ICM it? still working? How much no, is it? Not sure. Fuck, I actually want that. <laughs> oh, and I just realized there's a new release that I wanted to talk about, but I forgot about it. Oh, well, we'll do it next time. That's pretty nice. Uh, yeah, I've only got one thing this week, but uh, Trumpeter is released, and this is going to be for January of 2023. They're MI8MT, or otherwise known as the HIP-H, which is basically a sort of uh, kind of half-utility, half-gunship that the uh, VKS, I want to say, uses, uh, formerly the Soviet Air Force. Yeah, but that's coming out in 48th. I believe it's based on their earlier HIP kit. 
but yeah. That's if Tamiya could come out with some like one to forty-eight modern Russian figures, I would so buy this. I don't think they would do that. They yeah, would I... never do that. You kidding me? It's fucking Tamiya. Tamiya is too smart for that. Tamiya is too smart for that. Do you know what's going on in the world, Dennis? Yes. <laughs> That's why okay. I'm saying they're too smart for that. Okay, fair. <laughs> and now for our works in progress. Whips. So I'm going to start this one off. So I finally started finishing some builds. Woo! So the Academy 72nd FI156 stalk is finally off my shelf and onto the well, it's off one shelf and onto the finished shelf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I did it in the uh, North Africa scheme, and yeah, it's good, yeah, buddy. That, that does. How was the build? Uh, nightmarish. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is one seventy second. Yes. Holy shit! That looks way way bigger. Yeah, I thought that was thirty fifth or thirty two. They are big, like they are deceptively big aircraft. So, like, it's bigger than most of the single-engine aircraft yeah. I have. Really? Yeah, I, yeah, built, uh, I yeah. built the Tamiya 48-scale one a couple years ago, and it does have a pretty big wingspan on it. That's why I thought mm. it was 48-scale. Yeah, and they sit really high up as well, so... But yeah, I finally got this bastard off off my bench, so... And this... So this is my World War I uh, tadpole diorama. Oh, yeah. So just been building up the trench and the base for it. So it's almost almost finished. Um, this one's going to be a video, same as the uh, building of the tadpole. Once I finish, well, once I have motivation to finish the video. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, and there's two builds I can finally talk about because I'm giving wow. this to the person today, uh, my mom. Holy. So this is. Uh, Collaboration between my dad and I. My mum absolutely loves anything NASA, space, you know, all of that. She loves it. Good woman. Um, she has watched the Saturn V story three times now. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Dedication. She loves it. So uh, my dad and I, we decided, my dad bought, this is the Ravel 1 to 144 kit. He buys it. I build it. And it's actually a pretty sweet kit. You can see... Um, like the top opens, so it's got the lunar lander in it, and it all disassembles and reassembles. The main issue I now have is transporting it from my house to their house in a decent condition. Yeah. Leave early drive flow. Oh, yeah, I will be. I definitely Fish will be. Tissue paper. <laughs> you, um, should, uh, you should record and get a reaction. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And then if Dennis could supply you with a couple of Class D rocket motors. I can, actually, yes. <laughs> I can't ship them because that was, that's a felony. Yeah. And uh, so this is one of two commissions for her. The other one, if you go to the next slide, Ooh. Is, a, oh, uh, is the Lunar Lander in 72nd scale. This is the Airfix kit. And it's, uh, apart from it being old as hell and the plastic sucks, um, it's a really good kit. Uh, they pr they supply gold foil so you can foil it up, and that was a mission in and of itself. You guys know about that one, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it does look good. Is the airfix so, and the dragon kit the same kit? Uh, no, I don't think no. so. Okay. No, they are no. gone. 
yeah, the plastic is very much vintage AFX quality. I got yeah, it. It looks amazing. Good. Yeah, it, it does, does look dude. Really good. Well yes. done, Cal. She'll love She's it. gonna love it. Yeah, uh, she will. She definitely will. Love the uh, astronaut figures. You don't see that every day. Hmm. They're well. They're actually pretty good. The good thing is, well, is in the kit they had about twenty astronauts with all the equipment and stuff. But my Wait, dad actually. Said, oh yeah, they supply huh. a shit ton in the kit with a with a bigger base as well. But my dad just wanted me to build this for her, so I get to keep the rest of the stuff. Oh right <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs> HIDF space program. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> no. You gotta I mean, paint the uniform blue. I mean, you laugh, but you know, this was done. This all this space stuff was done in the you know late sixties, like in the sixties and seventies. So it's not outside the realm of possibility. Callum, <laughs> Callum, hear me out. A yep. HIDF space program landing on the moon. Planting an HIDF flag, kicking over the American, Chinese, and Russian flags. <laughs> Boom. I do have a uh, moon uh, rover, you know, the little buggy. Mm-hmm. I do have one yeah. of those in the, in the set. Oh, oh I'll do shit. It. <laughs> <laughs> have like a bag of HIDF flags in the back and they're just poking them everywhere. Make actually, an HIDF whole... marine moon buggy. Yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> I have a whole bunch of. For some reason, I found I've got like a whole bunch of what's the uh, what's the machine gun the Germans used on their bombers? The MG thirty-four, one five one. Yeah, you know, the one that's got like the yeah the ones that they use in their uh, the aircraft. I've got a whole bunch of those. I could probably fit one of those onto the buggy. <laughs> Bro, do it, <laughs> <Nice>. do it. <laughs> but yeah, so that's all of my stuff. Uh- just an interesting fact, like due to radiation, it's like the American flag on the moon is actually pretty much bleached white right now. Ah, so, yeah. French so when the Chinese get there, they're <laughs> going to think that you know, the French <laughs> landed there first. <laughs> Should have yes. sealed it. So that's all things I've been working on. Love to see it. And, uh, here's my slide. Haven't been working on anything really, uh, but I got Hey, had a birthday. But that's because you've been working. <laughs> that's true. Finally Thank you, Don. You finally anymore. got yourself a real job. I know. What does that say down there? I can't read that. Sweet, Sweet. me off my feet, Daddy Garrison. Oh my god. Who <laughs> 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 put that? Don, that was, was that... Who was... I'm not that technologically adept. It was probably Ezra. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh... So yeah, I had a birthday recently, so I got that SU-100, and then... Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, and then today was Black Friday, uh, drove five and a half hours, and got to Hobby Town, ten minutes to spare before they closed, and I picked up that Hellcat, the Flak 88, yeah. the 20 mil, and that German weapon set today, and uh, then I, yeah, started a job, finally. Uh, and equipment operator position with the city, and I get to play with uh, sweepers and dump trucks. So He's a union boy. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> Till retirement, baby. Oh, yeah. Well, that Hellcat looks like it's going to be awesome. You'll have to tell us all about it. Yes. Yeah, and that, uh, that SU-100 there, I got it built up for the most part. But, Do you? Uh, yeah, I got to wait until get the get the crib before I can make it a, a proper... VE diorama for April. Valid. 
Don, I just want to say this is what happens when you cheat on auto loader decals. <laughs> oh god, don't don't even start. So this is the Avenger TBM three W from Sword, which is a um post war um ASW AEW variant, which is what that giant scrotum is hanging off the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Radar so it's got testicular cancer. <laughs> right. So the, the idea was that by the time they crammed all of the radar and radios and jazz into this airframe, there wasn't enough weight left over to allow for weapons. So this thing is completely unarmed, and it would have a, a sister aircraft that was all kitted out with torpedoes and depth charges and all that stuff. Jesus so this Christ. would be the hunter. This was the hunter, and then there would be the killer. Um, and at least in in principle, it seemed to be a fairly effective system. It was never put into practice, obviously. Um, but this is the 172nd kit from Sword. It's actually a half-decent kit for being a, a short-run, sort of oddball-type airframe. Really? Because your interactions um, in the Discord would suggest otherwise. Yes! <laughs> you no, know, but that, that's, that's a me problem. <laughs> no, you're a skilled mother. I think Sword just sucks. No, they're no, because the the assembly actually went together great. It was once I started trying to put paint to it that everything fell off the rails. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this is marked up obviously as a Royal Canadian Navy. We had uh, eight of them that we briefly flew off. Uh, was this Mag- HMCS Magnificent? I was to say, was this Maggie or uh, Bonnie? No, this was Maggie. Um, by the time Bonnie came around, these were getting a little long in the tooth, they and the, they just uh, they trackers retired them right. We had trackers. And we had helicopters. Damn! Like this, this thing was well, well past its prime by the time uh, Bonaventure came along. Man, we used to have an aircraft carrier. We had, yeah, we had, we had three. three one, yeah. Well, not not uh, simultaneously, but we were one of we the did first have three. to have uh, carrier-launched jets that had uh, air-to-air missiles. Yeah, and we basically put anti-submarine warfare like on the map. We basically like a carrier, we basic, a carrier we base. Basic, yeah, no one cares. Listen, Jarhead. I uh, am a civilian. Nah, nah, nah. Once a crayon eater, always a crayon Shut eater. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Everyone, can I please get a hoorah for our. Oh uh, my god, no, Dennis. Yut. Ah! One, two, three, four, United States Marine Corps. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, I. Uh, I shit the bed with this, trying to put these heinous decals on. But uh, I actually finished it tonight. It's done. It actually looks decent. I'll, uh, I'll have to put some pictures up later. It is so nice but... to finally see someone making a Canadian uh, Navy aircraft. Well, there weren't too many of them, and there aren't too many kits to build the ones we had. Good luck finding a Banshee. Oh, God, the Banshee, yeah. A Banshee? You can well, find you know, that uh... in the woods of Tennessee. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don, what was that company that was that went out of business? It uh, wasn't Panda. Um, it's going to be to me as soon. Uh, Kitty Hawk. Um, Kitty, Kitty Hawk. Hawk. Thank you. They were going to make a forty-eight scale Banshee. Yeah, there was there was lots of. That's probably yeah. why they went under. They was also going to make a thirty-fifth scale Huey, and yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, on the brighter side of things, uh, Tammy is. Uh, F4UD uh, 1D Corsair, Dang. Uh, which is going together absolutely swimmingly, and I haven't managed to butcher yet, so stay tuned. Hmm. Um, I will say, in 
typical Tamiya fashion, though, it uh, goes together like a dream, but it's lacking in some of its uh, embellishments that other manufacturers might have bothered to include. So I've had to uh, do what I could to detail up the cockpit and uh, the, um, the engine. Which the scale was this? Amazing. 48. Okay. Yeah, I love what you did with the engine. This this was not. I can't take credit for this. I ripped this off of a uh, YouTube modeler oh. that I uh, follow. Hey, it works. Drop a link. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll post it up. He did a he did a complete um, a complete build uh, for this kit. So I've been like following it along halfway and uh, incorporating what I what I can be bothered to incorporate. He's taking notes. Oh, Don, you know what I just realized I have? What's that? A 148 scale Sea Fury with RCN markings. No. Build it. Maybe I should do that, yeah. All right. Get on that. And uh, in celebration of uh, <laughs> two, 251 week, this is not a work in progress. I made this ages ago, but it's the um, Italeri 72nd uh, 251-8, which was a, a, an absolute heinous build. <laughs> and the, the tracks on it are well if you zoom in you can see um but there you go that was my that was my contribution to uh dirty german tin can week <laughs> how old is that <laughs> kit by now the italian one ancient yeah let's see what uh yield scale mates has to say Who lived i hear a train <laughs> Dennis, me. I wish. I really. Oh, no, <laughs> Sorry, that that's me. I don't even pay attention to the damn train anymore. Wait, can I just come to your house, please? It's a camper. We're sleeping yeah. over. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, our, this is the last uh, two five one that I completed with the yes. big pack forty on it. Yes. Sick. Wow, look at that. And you built this for the uh, artillery group build. Uh, yes, I did, didn't I? So there's uh, videos nice. on my YouTube of uh, the complete build log of this. I'll be following them, hose. If you have any questions when you get to the 251, it's like I've built like six or seven of these now. My man. You might have uh, an interest. I have a feeling you might be interested in this stuff. Do you perhaps like the German 251? Eh. And it's multitude of variants? Uh, I really enjoy any half-tracks. Half tracks and wheeled armor, I really love. Ooh. And uh, of course, this is the the one I'm working on right now. This is uh, two three three from AFV Club. Um, again, it's a it's an eight rad a, a wheeled armored vehicle. So kit's been going together really fairly well. It's like I had a had a problem with a step up at the at the front of the nose that I had to sand flat, shimmered with some uh, uh, styrene and sanded flat again and yeah to eventually i got to where it looked decent oh there we okay. go uh the uh non-disclosure agreement will have been terminated by the time that callum gets around to editing this video so I'm just going to come right out and say it i did the comment uh definitely a surprise to all of you uh <laughs> totally 100 yeah. no, no idea this was coming but yeah i uh did the uh to me a 1 to 35 scale comment i guess i'll just shout out the plug right now uh, shout out to Great Hobbies and Borgefelt for being so kind as to supply this to me. They build up. Uh, you should definitely go and buy one from there. And with that out of the way, um, yeah. So I built this. I built it as a 
the tank from the 11th Armored Division in 1945 in Germany. Uh, it is really, really good. Like, any flaw with this kit is my fault alone. It's really fantastic. And I'm going to piss off Christian here because I've got the mic and he doesn't. This blows <laughs> me. Unless you like individual link tracks, in which case get the T-Rex set. The Bronco kit has absolutely nothing on this. It is a stinking pile of filth compared to this beautiful Japanese sword folded 300,000 times over. What did you paint this with? Uh, to me, acrylics. But I had to... Do, do they have a... What? Do they have a mix in the, the instructions? Well, so in, in the instructions, they recommend you use the uh, XF61 color, which is like deep green. And I, I did look at it. it. It is pretty decent to uh, SCC-15. It's not perfect, but it's pretty close. Um, but we didn't have it at the time in any of our stores, so I just used uh, Mike Starmer's mix. Good. It looks really good. Oh, thank you. Now, is it does, man. The headlight covers, did they come with the kit, or did you scratch build them? Oh, everything. So one of the things I did here is because this is a basically like a half promotional kit, everything is built out of the box. Um, so everything you see here, um, minus the two figureheads, I, I did save the, the ones from the kit because I want to use them on another kit I'm going to be doing. I just figured that they would look a bit better. But uh, other than like the uh, figureheads, everything is completely out of the box. Oh, nice. Except the handles. Oh, well, okay. That if you want to hear a story, so. <laughs> The one area where this kit, like, it's a great kit, except for the handles on the rear engine deck, because they're molded on, right? And they don't have any, like, what would you call it? Like a hollowed out detail, right? So just give me a blob. So I had to cut each one off with a pair of clippers and then bend the brass uh, rod into the right shape and glue those on. You can sort of yeah. see that there. But other than that, yeah. Really, really. Oh, uh, yes, this great Tamiya engineering you've been talking about can't make crab <laughs> handles. For someone who left the hobby store with what, three Tamiya kids? And actually, three very old Tamiya kits uh, whose engineering is not going to be up to the quality of that car. Four Tamiya kits. Okay. <laughs> well, he got an M18, which is like basically the same level of engineering. Yes. And I can't wait to build it. I'm so excited. Garrison, remember when I sent you a full of this and like I the first thing I said was it has Pershing suspension? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I overall so it's, it's uh I recommend it. It's for personally I didn't ever found a comment that interesting until I had it all built up and I saw, oh, this is what the hype is about. Um <laughs> it, it's good to see British vehicles being done because I think really historically they've sort of lacked any major attention from the industry. I like that um Headphone cable. I wonder where that idea came from. Me. Speaking of <laughs> headphone cables. Yeah. So this is my uh, Stuart finally done. Um, yeah. After. When did I start this? Like the week we started the podcast? Before I came on. So it's been a while. It's been a yep. while. Yeah. Um. You can't really see in that first picture there. You can just, it's its like a little speck, but there's a little um, MMP propaganda poster in there. Um, not much to say because I've kind of been updating everyone on this since I started it, but there you go. Glad looks to see great. it finished, man. Yeah, thanks. You did, you really did a good job with that figure. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, thank, thank you so much.
Um, yeah, so that's the Stuart, and then this is some more shenanigans. What the fuck is this? I uh, I got a comet. Dennis talked me into it. He gave Come me a. Uh, I'm doing my job for the hobby store. Don't fire yeah, me, please. He's, <laughs> he's the uh, comet hype man. <laughs> and then that's a uh, panther. He gave me a while ago that I've torn apart to throw some resin stuff from uh, Ezra in there. Yeah. You you deserve all of the lung damage you're going to receive from that. <laughs> oh, I yeah. really hope you were wearing a uh, uh, respirator. Respirator? Uh, mm, KN95? Oh, God. Better than nothing. Don, yeah. uh, should we do an intervention here? No. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let nature take its own. He's, he's, he's building a panther. <laughs> this is Dar- uh, Dar- uh, modeling Darwinism. Yeah. I put on the KN95 halfway through. After I realized it was making me cough a lot more than I thought. <laughs> no! Oh, no, it's already too late then. <laughs> and of course the Verabooism has taken its course and I picked up that one sixteenth scale figure. Jesus Christ. It's for practice. I swear. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're the kind of guy who says that kissing the homies is for practice. It oh, is. God. Oh. <laughs> oh. Hey yo. Also But you picked up a T three, which is cool. Yeah, yeah nice. no, I love that kit. Ever since I got into um modeling, like that T three there has been on my bucket list of kits I've wanted to get. That's like that is actually my dream car right there, a T three transporter. Yeah, you bought an Iltus. Yeah, they're pretty much the same thing. <laughs> tack on, tack on. Tack on. Tacom needs to make an Iltus. They need to make a fucking M26 Pershing. They should make a two-in-one Iltus Pershing kit. <laughs> yes, they... Yes, toe they... Iltus and toe Pershing. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a um, really nice... I, I, I... Are you going to put a, a ZU-23 in the back of the transporter, though? Please mm, put maybe. In. <laughs> yeah. I've got this... Um... I've got the machine gun set from uh, Academy here. I could just fill it with 50s. Jack, we're on audio. We can't see what you're holding. Well, <laughs> you can hear it. Uh, you can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could I could just fill the back with 50s, call it HIDF. Um, That'd work. But yeah, that's pretty much what I've been doing for the past couple weeks here. That, that, Good that job. That streetcar photo is from the foam background. It's, <laughs> it's 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 pretty drippy. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, the oh, Vargas boy. special. So so he's not even uh, here. Just skip. Nah, just I, I, skip Ezra it. is too busy shaking the bed uh, right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is his uh, Vargas Matilda. I think he did. He use craft paint for this. I I like how his paint bottle is weathered as well. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> Okay, um, yeah, so I guess uh, we're at the point now where we just get through our uh, announcements. So, um, as we say each week, uh, we've got the Battle of the Bulge group build going on. It's been running since September 1st, and it will be running until January 25th of 2023. Um, any scales, any kind of project style, anything related to the Battle of the Bulge at all, completely fine to do. There's no restrictions on that. 
Um, if you want to join the group build, you have um, quite a few ways of doing it. Just contact us on any of our social media platforms or just shoot us an email if you want to submit something. Otherwise, uh, feel free to join our Discord. Again, link will be in the description where you can actually post your works in progress in our specific Battle of the Bulge channel. Um, and if you want to, you can submit your uh, model for judging because we're going to have a little bit of a competition uh, at the end of the build. And you have the opportunity to win a free Hobby Boss uh, Pershing. Yeah. Uh, Wait, what? Yeah. You didn't know yeah. that? Oh, we have prizes now? <laughs> So actually, no. Well, there's a... you're a member of the podcast now, so no, no, no. He's he's I. He's I. He can do it. Okay. I mean, do you no, want? I'm, to... I'm not. I'm not doing it anyway. <laughs> oh, I just want to know where the budget is coming from. Uh, <laughs> everyone sent me like five bucks, and I've got a discount. So inside a pin juice pocket. Oh. Pin juice well, <laughs> it's coming from our Patreon. Our one. Our one singular Patreon, which is just Callum. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, does anyone have any announcements they would like to give? We're going to have a special Christmas episode. Stand by for next week for that uh, that announcement. Bye. Okay. Well, yeah, there we you go. didn't really. Don, you have to join then. We're going to be making yeah. nothing. I, I promise nothing. Clint, you should join as well. I might. Depends where I've Let's get in. Val on. We better get Val on. We better requirement. Get the requirement on the podcast ever. That will be our Christmas present. Val <laughs> Christmas joining. present yeah. is Val. The ghost of MMP future. Alrighty, well. Alright. Bye, everyone. Good job, homies. Alright. It was a good episode. Thank you.